0: If I, if I have the Holy Spirit, I'm saved, and so if I have the Holy Spirit inside me, and if the Holy Spirit is this great teacher you speak of, then why doesn't the Holy Spirit teach me? Why doesn't the Holy Spirit teach me? And, and that's a good question. Open your Bible, please, to John chapter 16. Folks watching at home, if you haven't done so already, would you please write in and say, hello, Pastor, you can write that if you like, and let us know how many of you are watching. If you would do that, that would help us a lot. This past Thursday, we had a real delightful time with our seniors, and um, we were over at the Dolls' home, and we had some goodies to share, and we shared testimonies too, and it was a real nice time together. Pastor Devian, is that you? Have that picture? Put that up. Let's take a look. There we are, and so there are some of the uh, the seniors. We were gathered on the back porch there of uh, the Dolls' home. Beautiful day, gorgeous weather, and it was it was absolutely a delightful time. Thank you for that. Um, next month, God willing, we're going to have another Joy Seniors time, and we invite. Um, Uh, Anyone who's, I guess, in their their 50s at least. I don't think you can consider yourself a senior if you're still in your 40s, I don't think. Uh, Anyhow, I'll have to think about that. But definitely, if you're in your 50s and um, you have the time, come and be with us. Now, I want to speak with you on a subject uh, about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that blessed third person of the Holy Trinity God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Many scriptures bear testimony to the person and the deity of the Holy Spirit. He's not an impersonal force, He's a person. And He is not uh, a created being, He is equal in power and glory to the Father and to the Son. And I think that um, most Christians seem to understand that and accept it. But there are some Christians who seem to think that they are supposed to receive the Holy Spirit sometime after they've been born again. After they're saved, they've been taught or told that they need to seek for and receive the Holy Spirit. But God tells us in the Bible that the moment we are saved, He gives us The Holy Spirit. When we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ, He gives us the Holy Spirit. Now, for example, Acts 2.38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It goes hand in hand. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man... Have not the Spirit of Christ, He is none of His. Underscore that in your heart. If a man or woman claims to be born again, but does not have the Holy Spirit in them, they are not saved. Having the Holy Spirit is something that only saved people have. Now the title of this message today is Why We Absolutely Need the Holy Spirit. But when we say we absolutely need the Holy Spirit, we are not saying that we don't have Him and therefore we must receive Him. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that we absolutely need what the Holy Spirit can do for us. We absolutely need Him to work in our lives and do things that we cannot do ourselves. That's what we're saying. So, before we go any further... Let's have a word of prayer, and let's ask the Lord to open our eyes to this truth today. Now, our Heavenly Father, we pause, we acknowledge your sovereignty, your ownership of our lives. We thank you so very much for the precious gift of the Holy Spirit inside us. And this is something too often we take for granted. Forgive us. Help us to wake up to this wonderful third person of the Holy Trinity, living, physically inside of us. What an amazing thought. God living in us. Our Father, please help us today to learn this truth. We pray once again that if there be one watching on the internet or here present in the service in this auditorium who has not yet humbled themselves before You and admitted their sin, repented of sin and trusted in Jesus Christ to save their soul, that they would do that today. Please encourage them. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Well, why is it that born-again Christians have been given the Holy Spirit? Why did God give us the Holy Spirit in the first place? The short answer is so that we can become more like Jesus Christ. That's the short answer. So that we can become more like Him in His thoughts, in His actions. So everything that we think, everything that we say, everything we do, can be more like Jesus, because the Holy Spirit is there to help us to become more like Jesus. Now in the Old Testament, the people who were saved, the Old Testament saint, was not given the Holy Spirit like how we are given the Holy Spirit. Occasionally we would read the Holy Spirit would come upon someone and then leave, Samson is an example of that. But we are different now in the New Testament time. The the Old Testament saint lacked the power to be godly and to maintain a godly lifestyle. It was tough. They were called upon to keep all these Old Testament laws and they struggled to do it. So, in a nutshell, we've been given the Holy Spirit to help us to become more like Jesus. But besides this, the Holy Spirit does a a multitude of other jobs in our lives. To name a few. Number one, He assures us that we are saved. Romans 8.16 But the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Number two, the Holy Spirit shows us when we have sinned. Jesus said in Revelation 3.19 As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Jesus does this work through the Holy Spirit. Number three, the Holy Spirit prays for us. Romans 8.26 Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's the Holy Spirit praying in us at times when we don't even know what to pray for or how to pray some people look at that verse and they say oh it's talking about the modern day gift of tongues it is not talking about tongues whatsoever because tongues are something spoken and audible this says in verse 26 Romans 8:26 the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered this is something totally silent this is something the Holy Spirit does within us. Number four, the Holy Spirit produces godly fruit in our lives. And this, folks, is one way in which we can also know if we are born again, if we're saved, if we're part of God's family. Galatians 5, 23 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's nine items there. You can examine your life, examine your heart. Is there fruit? Because if there's no fruit, you have every reason to question whether the Holy Spirit is even in you. And if the Holy Spirit is not in you, it means you are not yet saved. You need to be saved. So these and many other things the Holy Spirit does for us, but today I'd like to talk with you and show you something about what the Holy Spirit does, that you and I absolutely need. We absolutely need this. Now, you all know that we live in very modern times. We've got every technological advancement known to man. It's at our fingertips. But our day and age is earmarked by the word confusion. Confusion. People are saying all kinds of different things. Today And they're backing them up with facts and figures and statistics and testimonies and sometimes Bible verses. And we're confused. COVID is very confusing. Now, that's just one example of confusion, but there's many others. Global warming is another example of confusion. Political leadership is another example of confusion. And we're all confused, folks. Confusion is the name of the game today. Things are happening so fast and furious that we just begin to start to understand one worldwide mess when all of a sudden another worldwide mess happens. And now we have to try to struggle to understand that. <laughs> makes, us our, makes our head spin. Makes us think we're losing our marbles. Well, maybe we're not losing our marbles but like the guy said, there's definitely a hole in the bag somewhere. If you ever need truth, if God's children ever needed truth, I think it's these days. And truth is one of the amazing things that the Holy Spirit can do for you and for me. The Holy Spirit can teach us the truth. Now, with your Bible open at John 16, look once again, please, at verse number 13. Jesus said, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. It doesn't say lead, it says guide. What's the difference? A guide is someone who will take you by the hand and walk with you, even in front of you, step by step, and lead you. You've heard about leading the blind. Jesus spoke about the blind leading the blind. Hmm? If you took the hand of a blind man and said, walk with me, walk this way, you would lead him. Hmm? You would guide him, is what I should have said. The Holy Spirit will take us by the hand and guide us into truth. Now, in the world, in the world, truth is never the same. Truth is always changing. How many have learned that? Put up your hand if you know that truth is changing. All right, a few of you, raise your hand. Believe me, the world does not believe in a static, stable truth. It never has. The world believes in a changing truth. 2,000 years ago in the Roman World, the Roman governor Pilate, when Jesus was being brought up to be judged and condemned before Pilate, Pilate said these words, what is truth? 2,000 years ago, in the most advanced civilization the world had ever seen, they still struggled with truth because truth keeps changing. Say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is something that we once hailed as true 25 years ago. Today, they've come out with all of the scientific reasons why it's false. But wait! 25 more years from today, they'll come out with new scientific proof that will disprove the old proof and will once again hail that which was disproven to be proven. Does that make any sense? You're looking at me, but it's like, you know, the TV's on, but the sound's not turned up. <laughs> Surely you must have come across that. They do it all the time with alcohol, with wine, and they're doing it with marijuana. One year they say it's good for you. The next year they say it's bad for you. One year the scientists in this country come out with proof why a glass of wine is good for you. The next year, scientists in another company, another country, come up with proof why a glass of wine is no good for you. Where's the truth? What happens is we're left confused. 4,000 years ago, most people believed the world was flat. And they believed that if you went too far, you'd fall off. One of the reasons they believed that was watching the ships as they crested the horizon, they would disappear. And so they assumed that if you went too far, you'd fall off. They'd look around, they'd see kind of a flatness, and so it made sense to them. Many people believed in a flat earth 4,000 years ago. And then in 330 BC, a Greek philosopher named Pythagoras, he proved scientifically that the world was round. Oh! oh, well, it's not flat after all, it's round. And so people started believing the world was round. And that went on, but over the centuries that passed, some people started going back to a flat earth. And so, uh, again, this flat earth theory became the truth. People believed in that. And then Christopher Columbus came along in 1492 and he showed by his sailing to the new world that the world was not flat, but it was round. Oh, the world is not flat. It's round after all. And so they went back to believing in a round earth. And then in the 1800s, a, a, a guy, a scientific guy named Sam Robotham, he came out with scientific proof that the world was flat. And a lot of people started saying, well, how about that? It's not round after all. It's flat. And 65 years ago, in 1956, the International Flat Earth Research Society was created. And today, if you go on the internet, you will find some real vehement proponents for a flat earth. You really will. So, you see, that's another example of truth changing. That's what I mean, the truth changes. And we see that in in the the laws of the court, courtrooms of our land, how the lawyers can prove things one way and disprove them the other way. Years ago, evolution made its way into our schools. But did you know that there is not one type, but several types of evolution? Did you know that? And did you know that a couple of these, at least a couple of these types of evolution Prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that all other types of evolution are impossible and cannot happen and are false. And that they are the only ones. Their scientific evidence proves that the others are wrong and they are right. And then the next one beside them, the next type of evolution, will prove that that one is wrong along with everyone else and prove that they are right. What's the truth in the matter, you see? Truth is changing. That's the world we live in today, folks. Politicians, they love to do this. They love to get up and prove that the other candidate is absolutely wrong. They sit down and the other candidate stands up and proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that the first candidate is absolutely wrong. That's what happens. Not long ago, global warming was the hotbed of debate. And all the experts of the world weighed in on the matter. Everyone confirming their own ideas and disproving everyone else's. Today, COVID seems to be the hotbed of debate. Folks, did you know that people lie? Did you know that? How many knew that? Raise your hand. Well, there's most of us. (laughs) Some of us haven't maybe realized it yet. People lie. You say, oh really, what kind of people lie? Well, scientists lie. News reporters lie. That's why we have phony news. Theologians lie. Those are the people that study the Bible. Historians lie. Businessmen lie. Lawyers lie. Doctors lie. Politicians lie. But folks, the truth is not supposed to change. The truth is not supposed to lie. The truth is supposed to be the truth from one year to the next. Truth is supposed to be truth. But today the bottom line is total world confusion. That's the world we live in. Almost every day I'm watching 16 different news outlets. And I can tell you right now that they're saying conflicting things and some real absurd things. And I read some of their reports and I know they're leaving out truth. I know it because I've researched those things on other, in other ways and they've conveniently left things out to color it their way. Is there no one today who can tell us the truth? What is the truth? Is there no one who really knows the truth? And the answer is yes. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows the truth. And the Holy Spirit is willing to be our teacher. Isn't that good news? I'm telling you, we absolutely need what the Holy Spirit can do for us. Look again, please, at John 16, verse 13. Would you read this verse out loud with me, please? Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Now someone today might be wondering, well, Pastor, if if I have the Holy Spirit, I'm saved, and so if I have the Holy Spirit inside me, And if the Holy Spirit is this great teacher you speak of, then why doesn't the Holy Spirit teach me? Why doesn't the Holy Spirit teach me? And and that's a good question. That's a very good question. And I'd like to suggest to you that the number one reason why the Holy Spirit doesn't teach us can be easily answered by any child in grade school. They know the answer. We're not paying attention because we're not that interested. It's the same in grade school and it's the same in the Christian life. We're not paying attention because we're not interested enough. Take your Bible and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Would you turn to chapter 11 of Matthew? Turn back there with me, please. I want you to see something. Drink this in with your eyes. Matthew chapter 11. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. I'd like you to read out loud with me verse number 15. Matthew eleven fifteen. 15. Read it with me now. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Turn a page to chapter 13. Verse number 9. Would you read that out loud? Verse 9. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And look at verse number 43 as well. And Jesus said, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Now read these last words out loud with me. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. You know what's amazing to me? Maybe you too, but it's amazing to me how many people back then could sit under Jesus' ministry could sit under his teaching and not really hear what he was saying. Isn't that amazing? What also is amazing these days is how many students there are in school and university and sometimes in Bible colleges sitting there and not listening, not hearing what's being taught. It's quite something. Parents... Uh, if you have children in school, be it grade school, high school, try this experiment. They come home from school. Say, hi, how was your day? Oh, it was good. Great. What did you learn today? Ask them that question. What did you learn today? You'd be amazed. Maybe you've tried this. Maybe you've done this one already. What did you learn today? And you get some really strange answers. One of the... The strangest answers, nothing. You went to school, you got there early, you were there all day, you had a number of classes, number of teachers, they taught all kinds of subjects, and I asked you what you learned today, and you said, nothing. Did I get that right? Well, I guess so. There's the number one reason I believe why we Christians are not being taught more by the Holy Spirit. We're not paying attention. We're not paying attention because there's other things that are a little more interesting in our lives. I suggest to you that that's the number one reason. There may be other reasons, but I think that's the number one reason. And I wonder how many of us have that problem. The Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher on earth bar none. Without a doubt. The Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher. Without a doubt. There is nothing the Holy Spirit does not know. He is God. He is omniscient. He knows everything there is to know. And He only teaches the truth. He doesn't teach lies. The Holy Spirit will never say to you, Wow, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Let me go and check that one out. I'll get back to you on that. The Holy Spirit never ever has to say that because the Holy Spirit knows everything. He knows all of the answers to all of the mathematical questions the students face in school with trigonometry and calculus and all those big 15-letter words. The Holy Spirit knows all the answers. He knows all there is to know about automotive, about cooking, about nuclear fission, about the planets, about the molecules. The Holy Spirit knows everything, 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 and He knows all the truth about God. He knows everything. He's the greatest teacher. So how come we don't know more truth? How come we're so often confused? How many times have you ever wished that you knew the truth about someone or something? How many times have you ever watched a a preacher on TV or on the Internet and wondered if he was really telling the truth. Maybe a friend of yours invited you to a so-called home church. And maybe there you were told that all organized churches are corrupt. And they even showed you a Bible verse. And you came away wondering, is this true? So often, we walk around in confusion. And we don't have the truth. Folks, the Holy Spirit is your built-in Bible teacher. And I want you to see that. Turn in your Bible to the book of 1 John. Before Revelation, the book of 1 John. Someone says, Pastor, everything is before Revelation, isn't it? Well, you got me there. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And I'd like you to look at verse 26 and 27. Verses 26 and 27. 1 John chapter 2. Please help me. Read it out loud with me, please. Verse 26-27. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. It's a reference to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the built-in Bible teacher. Now someone might say, Ah, does this mean that we don't need any human Bible teachers? We don't need them at all? Because we have a built in Bible teacher, is that what this means? The answer is no. We still need human Bible teachers. You say, Pastor, how do we know that? We know that from the Bible. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 14, it says, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. There are a tonne of deceiving false teachers on the internet under the guise of Christianity, under the guise of religion. You have a built-in Bible teacher if you're a born-again Christian. You have the Holy Spirit, the greatest teacher there ever was, living inside your heart. All you need do is be taught by Him. If you want to know truth, and I hope you do, I hope you hunger and crave after truth all your life, well, you've got the, the best Bible teacher right inside your heart. But we still need human Bible teachers because God still gives them. Well, then what was John saying in John, 1 John Chapter 2? What was he meaning when he said, ye need not that any man teach you? What, what did John mean by that? Well, John was specifically addressing a problem that the Christians were facing in that first century. The Christians were being told by false teachers that Jesus Christ was not who we think He is. That Jesus Christ never came in a physical form and other such lies. John wrote to teach that Jesus Christ is the real deal. He wrote and taught that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, and that he and others, John and others, had touched and handled Him. And even after the resurrection, they touched Him. They ate with Him. John was teaching here, proving that Jesus was the real deal, because some false teachers were trying to seduce the Christians, away into false doctrine concerning Jesus Christ. And John was telling them, you have the Holy Spirit inside you and He will teach you who Jesus is. Now that is incredibly important. But the basic principle is the same. We have a built-in Bible teacher. We really, really do. He's the Holy Spirit. John 16:13. He's even called the Spirit of Truth. And Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. And so, folks, listen. If you and I are going to learn truth from our Holy Spirit teacher, we need to submit ourselves to the teacher. Does that make sense? We can't lord it over the teacher. We can't say, well, Holy Spirit, you you can't tell me something I don't already know. You must humble yourself to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. Now what the Holy Spirit will do is He will direct you to the textbook. The Bible is the textbook. You will never know truth unless you know the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who can really teach some exciting stuff. If we're going to know truth, we're going to need to be attentive to our Holy Spirit teacher. And we're going to need to study the Word of God. Someone might ask, how do we know that the Holy Spirit gave the Bible? How do we know that that is the textbook? Well, in 2 Peter 1.21, 21, it says, For the prophecy, it's a reference to the Word of God, the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The word picture is to like a sailboat on the water. It's got the sail up there. The wind blows, it moves the sailboat along. The wind blows again, it moves the sailboat along. The holy men of old were like that sailboat They put the sail up. The Holy Spirit blew in their wind and they were moved and wrote what the Holy Spirit told them to write. The Bible is the most amazing book. It took God some 1,500 years to write the Bible. He used something like 40 different authors, most all of whom had never met each other. They never met each other. 40 different authors over 1,500 years. You compare that to say... The Book of Mormon, written by one man over a period of a couple of years. You compare any of the religious books today, you won't find another book that matches the Bible. It's God's book. It's the Holy Spirit textbook. And we need to submit ourselves to the Word of God. Yes, God wrote the Bible. And yes, His truth is found in there. Our job as students is to study the Bible and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us the truth. And folks, that's when your prayer closet will really come alive. And your heart will jump up and down and dance and you'll click your heels at some of the amazing things the Holy Spirit will show you in the Bible. For thousands of years, uh, 1,500 years anyhow, I should say, the Catholic Church doesn't want the people to read the Bible. So many times I meet people who used to be Catholics and they've told me the same thing. Well, they threw me out. I was asking too many questions. They said, no, just believe what your priest tells you. But I have questions. Never mind that. Stop asking your questions. A lot of people involved in Christian cults got kicked out that way too when they started saying, "Uh, Elder, can I ask a question? No, you can't. You ask embarrassing questions. Don't ask questions. And They keep asking questions and they kick them out. I'll have you know God has nothing to hide and nothing to be ashamed of. He teaches truth. And that's what you and I ought to go for. We ought to go for the truth. You ought to read your Bible. You ought to have not just one Bible but a few Bibles. You can afford it in this society. Take your Bible into your prayer closet and let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Just about 30 years ago, um, yeah, just about 30 years ago, almost 30 years, the Lord got my attention through a series of very difficult problems and situations that I'd never want to go through again in my life. He got my attention. And I began to cry out to God as I've never cried out before in my life. And I would sit up at nights with my Bible open, searching for God and studying to try to find the answer for these problems. And it was through that experience that the Holy Spirit stepped up and said, ah, so you're going to listen to me now. And the Holy Spirit began to show me truth from the Bible. Truth that I'm sure many others had seen, but I hadn't to that point. I'm telling you, I was looking forward to bedtime every single day. Because I'd sit up in bed beside my wife. We'd each have our Bible and we'd be going through it. And the Holy Spirit was our teacher. And after two or three nights of this, three or four nights, I guess we thought to ourselves, we better write this stuff down or we're going to forget it. And so we started making notes. And we filled pages and pages of notes, of things that the Spirit of God was showing us from the Word of God. All good, conservative truth. Amazing things that God was showing us. And in three months' time, it seemed that I had learned more than I had learned as a Christian in the previous 16 years of my life. I had been saved for 16 years at that point, And within three months, I had learned what I think was more than I had learned in those 16 years. I was beside myself with joy. One thing that I've learned from that experience that I've practiced to this day is to stay submitted to the Holy Spirit teacher, stay submitted, stay close to God. We're just about done here. And in a moment we're going to stand and I'm going to invite you to come on an invitation. Did you know that some people come so often on an invitation it's like they live at the altar? And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Those who come on a regular basis and say, Lord, I need this. Boy, if there's one thing that I want to encourage you with today, is you absolutely need the Holy Spirit as your teacher. Or you are going to remain confused for the rest of your life. You have to have the Holy Spirit as your teacher. And your Holy Spirit will direct you to the Bible. That's what He does. That's the textbook right there, folks. It can start today if you're ready. If you're here today and you're not sure you're going to heaven, you're not sure you have the Holy Spirit inside you because you look around in your life and you don't see very much love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. You don't see this fruit of the Spirit. You see it in others, but you don't seem to see it in yourself. Chances are you're not saved and you don't have the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen very carefully, whether you're here today or whether you're watching online. I want you to listen very carefully to what Jesus says in John chapter 16. That's the chapter we started with. Look at this in verse number 8 Jesus said, And when He is come, He's referring to the Holy Spirit, when He is come, He will reprove the world. Of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on Me. That is a sin. Did you know that? Not believing on Jesus Christ is a sin. (laughs) It's the sin that will land anyone into hell. But there's a lot more to sin than that. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. He says, of righteousness, because I go to My Father, and ye see Me no more. There is a thing called righteousness. And Jesus is the righteous judge of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit's job in the heart of an unbeliever is to convict that man or woman of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. They have sinned. They will be judged and cast into hell. And righteousness shall dwell in all the earth. Sin, righteousness, judgment. Can you say in your heart today that you know for sure you're born again and if you died, you'd go to heaven? Can you say that for sure without any doubt? If you can, that's great. If you're not able to, that's great that you're being honest. Today, in your heart of hearts, you can settle that, if you will. We're going to bow for prayer. I'd like to encourage you to pray a sinner's prayer today. If you're watching online, bow your head. Let's all close our eyes. Let's all bow our heads. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.